The Blooms is the last light of the gods. The sacred bloom traveled, and my dreams traveled with it. It is unspeakable power. Whatever you dream, you will have. It's too late to change what has happened. But not too late to change what will be. Why bring me here? We all have masters to serve. She will know sorrow. Our people have suffered long enough. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. I'm Mike and joining me as always it's Mr. Venom. What's up Venom? How are you? Greetings and salutations adult animation lovers. Uh, I'm doing pretty good Mike. How the hell are you? I'm doing well. Another week is rolling by heading into a Friday. It's it's two weeks in a row that we're recording on a Thursday, right? I think we recorded last Thursday. <laughs> yeah. yeah I think this so. week wasn't my fault. <laughs> I'll take yeah, the blame this week for was last my fault. Week, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we. I had a last minute thing that came up that I wasn't prepared for. So, uh, another late episode. Uh, also with us, it's Don. What's up, Don? How are you? Yeah. What's going on, guys? Great to be here. Okay, well, uh, we are covering a movie that just recently dropped on Shudder. It is an anime listed as action adventure, I guess ultra gore. I don't see horror in the uh, <laughs> description. Yeah, yeah we're getting to maybe possibly why. But it is called The Spine of Night, so... Uh, our synopsis is ultra-violent epic fantasy set in a land of magic follows heroes from different eras and cultures battling against a malevolent force. All right. Well, we will start with general thoughts as usual. Venom, what did you think about this ultra-violent epic fantasy, I don't know if horror movie? (laughs) Okay, uh, before I get into the movie, I do want to give a little caveat to this. Um, For those who don't know, who haven't seen the movie or haven't seen a trailer, uh, this movie kind of follows the animation style of Ralph Bakshi and the rotoscope style uh, where, you know, they shoot scenes in live action and then um, animate them, uh, basically put animation over the top of the live action. So 
And for those who don't know, I absolutely adore Ralph Bakshi. I love just about every movie he's made. Um, I've made efforts to get all the band ones. So I do actually have a DVD of like Coonskin and an original VHS of Fritz the Cat, things like that. So, yeah, I absolutely adore Ralph Bakshi. I think Wizards is one of the best animated movies ever made, period. It's a very underappreciated film. As, of course, Ralph Bakshi movies never had a lot of theatrical success. So, having said all of that, how do I feel about Spine of Night? Well, folks, unfortunately, I fucking hated this movie. I am not a fan of this film in any way, shape, or form. Um, within a few seconds of starting the movie, you can already tell that, you know, it's got that rotoscope style, that Ralph Bakshi slash heavy metal kind of animation style. So, instantly, I'm excited. But where the movie loses me is in this story and its storytelling in general. This story is so incredibly convoluted. Um, it's it's a little bit harder to follow than your average Ralph Bakshi movie. Like some people might think Fire and Ice is a little hard to follow. No, this is fucking hard to follow. Um, the movie feels like an anthology in the sense that you'll be following one character for 10, 15 minutes of the film and then just out of nowhere, drastic change to now be following a different character for the next, you know, 15 or whatever, however long of the film. And some of the scenes just seem like throwaway scenes. Like there, there's, there's one scene in here with a young couple right after their village gets attacked where, you know, the, literally it's just a, a five-minute scene, maybe less, of them just running around hiding, and then the soldiers find them and kill them, and that's the end of the scene. It's like, it doesn't bring anything to the story, there's no real plot development there, it's just, uh, for no reason, we just decide to follow these two young people. And then, in the third act of the film, right before the finale, we're introduced to yet another race of people who are kind of like bird-like, um... The problem with a movie like this is, is that you don't spend enough time with any characters to really develop any kind of attachment to them, be they positive or negative. Um, we spend the most time with Zod, who is the female um, uh, protagonist of the film. Uh, we spend the majority of the film following her as she and the Guardian, uh, a character voiced by Richard E. Grant, are uh, basically driving the story of this film. It, it's almost like the wraparound, if you will. Um, the entire movie is told in flashback, except for the very last scene. Um, and like I said, I, I have an issue with every aspect of this movie. The score does nothing for me. Uh, the animation, even though, yes, it's rotoscope, it's 50-year-old animation. Like, this literally looks like something Bakshi would have done in the 70s. There's, like, no improvement to it. Yeah, it's a little more polished because it's 2022, but it's still basically the same animation, um, you know, like... Even even something like a Scanner Darkly uh, with Robert Downey Jr. from, I, don't, I forget what year that came out, but I mean, if, if you guys know what I'm talking about there, that is some revolutionary um, rotoscope animation. Like, they at least tried to do something new and different so I can respect it. Even though I may not be the biggest fan of that movie in general, the story doesn't really do a whole lot for me. Um, I could still respect that they, you know, went for it with the animation. This one, like I said, animation is subpar at best for me. And this is a personal opinion, folks, because I have watched and listened to about a half dozen reviews for this movie. 
And I seem to be in the minority. Most people are praising this film and, you know, just calling it one of the best adult animation films in years. I vehemently disagree, but at the same time, adult animation has kind of suffered over the last few years, especially horror. I mean, we've had stuff like, um, you know, the Night of the Living Dead animated film from last year. That was an absolute atrocity. Um, And, you know, just in general, there's not really a whole lot of um, outside of uh, anime, anime, outside of Japanese animation, there's just not a whole lot of great adult horror animation out there anymore. And that's that's sad because it's something that I love. Um, and then the last thing I'm going to comment on is the casting. This this movie is so poorly cast, it, it almost hurts. Now, I will say that Richard E. Grant as the Guardian, for those who don't know who Richard E. Grant is, if you watch the Loki Disney Plus series recently, he played the old Loki. So if anybody saw that, you know who I'm talking about when I say the old Loki. That is Richard E. Grant, and he does a stellar job here. His voice is spectacular. As the guardian and the main narrator of this movie, along with Zod, um, I think he does a great job. But then Lucy Lawless as Zod, I don't know. She's doing some kind of weird, almost aboriginal accent that, I don't know, it just doesn't really work for me in this. I mean, it might work for a lot of people, and that's cool. Uh, the biggest travesty here for me is Patton Oswalt. Patton Oswalt, if, for those who don't know, is a stand-up comedian with a very distinguishing voice, kind of a goofy-sounding, almost like a man-child type voice. And he plays the petulant Lord uh, Parantin, uh, who is the king of a small area in this movie. The problem is, every time he speaks, I'm taken out of it because it's Patton Oswalt's goofy voice. Um, for, for my money, the best petulant Kings are going to be like some of the, some of the examples from say a game of Thrones, uh, stuff like King Joffrey, um, uh, Ramsey Bolton from the Bolton family when, when he became the leader of that family, those are the kind of petulant Kings that are, you know, that makes sense to me. If Patton Oswalt was basically a big fucking child, how he would ever come into power is beyond me because even in that day and age, even even with even with nepotism, he likely wouldn't become king because he doesn't seem like the kind of person that would make a good king proud. You know that that's his son. So, um, unfortunately, folks, yeah. Overall, my general thoughts are going to be: I hate this movie. I hate the animation. I hate the score. I hate the dialogue. I hate the storytelling. I hate the editing. I hate the voice acting. Um, have I made myself perfectly clear? <laughs> this isn't the worst movie I've ever seen by any stretch of the imagination. Um, the animation is going to work for a lot of people. I mean, if you didn't, if you haven't already spent 50 years watching Ralph Bakshi and other rotoscope style animation, you may really dig this. Um, I don't personally think it's all that much more violent than anything Bakshi has done. In my opinion, Fire and Ice is just as violent as this one. People getting cut in half, blah, blah, blah. Yet you wouldn't see that on Shudder, but then again, you might someday. I mean, shit, Heathers is on Shudder for some reason, but that's a discussion for another podcast. Um, So yeah, overall, as a hardcore Ralph Bakshi fan, I have to give this movie two adamant thumbs down. I just did not enjoy any of it. And if it weren't for the podcast, I would not have even finished this. I would have stopped halfway through. It was just, the story is just so convoluted that I was actually getting frustrated watching it, so... Yeah, that's it for me for general thoughts. All right, Don, let's hear you follow that up. I never finished this. Um, I figured out this wasn't a horror film about 30 minutes in, and I just gave up on it. 
<laughs> Honestly, brother, I don't blame you. I I, I feel like an uh, like a bloated sense of responsibility when it's a podcast. Um, yeah. But I I kind of wish I had stopped. Honestly, I kind of wish yeah. I would have stopped at like forty five minutes. I I think I got the gist of it in that time. Yeah. Um. I. From what I found, I was kind of like you. Uh, this really wasn't going anywhere. It's like we're following this one tribe of hedonistic people that are trying to conjure up these spells in this forest, and then all of a sudden we're with these barbarians, and now we're with this strange race of book collectors, and it's like, what the hell's going on here? Mm-hmm. And none of it was horror. None of it was interesting. The animation looked ugly. I, I, I figured I had better things to do with my life. Uh, I had other shows to prep for, so those kind of took precedence. I, I, I legitimately stopped half an hour in and was like, I got better shit to do. I've learned from things. Um, I, I kind of, uh, <laughs> I've learned from things. If you know that um, joke, yep. then um, yeah, uh, I, I I didn't finish this. I'm not going to. And uh, yeah, uh, my bad guys. I, I, I kind of pushed for this one. And then I think um, Venom used, you jumped on it because you said it was an animated film. And then yeah, uh, yeah my bad guys. I mean, it, you know, we did the, the last animated film we did on this show was to the last death, which, which I, I love funny. Yeah, I, I did enjoy that. I, I kind of like the simplistic animation style of it. It worked for me. It was entertaining. Well, the thing with that one for me was the voice, the characters were modeled somewhat after the voice actors. Yes. So it was easy for me to buy into it because it kind of looked like, you know, that's Ray Wise. That's, you, you know, whoever mm-hmm. the, you know, the other chick was. Yeah. It looked like them. This, I don't know what the hell they look like. It, it looked ugly. It looked unappealing. It had this drab blue filter over everything it was like Ugh. and then the i'm so glad was, i'm not alone <laughs> and then the, the story was confusing and then it was like what the hell am i watching i got better shit to deal with i've got five shows yeah. coming up in the next week i've got prep work to deal with <laughs> i don't blame you man <laughs> yeah i i figured this would be one where i can kind of just you know not really give a shit yeah it happens yeah I mean, like I said, I learned my lesson from things. It was like half an hour in. I couldn't follow anything that looked atrocious. And I wasn't getting horror vibes from this. So I was just like, now I've got other shit to do. (laughs) So general thoughts is uh, incomplete and atrocious what I found. So, uh, yeah. All right. (laughs) Well, then allow me to bring balance to the force. Uh Because... Just kidding. I didn't like this at all either. <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't know what's supposed to be epic about this. I today, so I threw it on today during work. Technically, it was the third time I put it on, but it's not the third time I got through it because the other two times I was like struggling to even really follow the story. Um, uh to back to like what venom was saying how like it it feels like it's just like a lot of random scenes thrown together because you know like the first 10 minutes or so i i think you are not you but me i was like okay following what was going on and then all of a sudden it's like a character just shows up that's dressed like in modern clothing and i'm like well wait a minute did <laughs> we just jump to a different era or time with no explanation but then she's interacting with people that still look like back in that original time. And, uh, and I guess my, my biggest, I mean, you guys have both pretty much named off a lot of the same issues I had. 
but I guess like the main thing I took away from it after the third attempt was there is not a 90 minute story here. I'm sorry. It, it, it feels like this should have been like a short or maybe like a 60 minute story or something. Cause I feel like it just is so padded with what they're trying to tell. Um, I, there was like, you know, maybe every 20 minutes or so there might be like an eye catching scene, like in, an individual scene where I watch it and I'm like, okay, if, if, if starting right here, it starts getting good, then I then I can salvage something. And then like after a couple minutes it would go right back to being like, what the hell am I watching? And I can't even stay focused. And for me when it comes to anime, I'm not like pro or anti anime. I, I tend to not watch a lot of it unless it's something that's already been recommended to me. Mm-hmm. Um and this one didn't do much to like sway me to watch like more anime blind, like go in blind. Um, man, even like, even the fact that it's labeled as being ultra violent, like, okay, there is like some, I guess, animated blood. Um, you know, there is some killing in it, but I would not call it ultra violent because we, we've all probably seen enough anime to know if you tell me an, especially an anime, if you're going to tell me an anime or just animated movie or whatever is ultra violent, there are standards out there of what an ultra violent anime is, and uh, this I'm looking does at something not touch like, it. Uh, I'm looking at something like Demon City Shinjuku or Wicked Ooh. City. Well, yeah, first, of all, City or, yeah. first of all, I'm, I'm, every time Mike uses the word anime, I'm kind of cringing inside. I would never yeah. call this anime. This it's is not, not anime. really anime, no. Yeah. It's, not. It's, it's just an animated It's American movie. animation, so yeah. Yeah, I understand um, why you're saying anime because it, it does seem like the style might appeal to anime fans, uh, and I am an anime fan. That's the thing. I Don and I, I, I think, are both hardcore anime fans. This uh, is not. I, I like what I've I like what I've seen, but I haven't gone out of my way to find them. Gotcha. I I I, I do admit I I do like what I've seen, but I'm not somebody that's gone out of my way to find them. Yeah, no worries. But yeah, so I mean, you know, yeah. so got anime fans, and like I said, when <laughs> just do me a favor, don't call it anime. <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm kind of similar. <laughs> I'm kind of like similar to Dawn. Like I've seen Wicked City, like Ghost in the Shell, Akira, um, Fist of the North Star, like all the stuff where like my friend growing up, he he's big into anime and stuff. All the ones that oh, like he um, would tell me, oh, you got to see this. Like yeah, those to, ones that I would watch, I liked. But yeah. just to throw two other names in there that we mentioned, because those are the other good ones that Mike had. Um, I, I do want to mention Blood Hunter D. Just to throw that one in there. Um, I think what between what me and Mike have mentioned, I think that's kind of the good the core crop of films that you need to watch if you're an anime fan. Yeah, Vampire Hunter D too, and uh, yeah. Ninja Scroll, I think, is pretty good. Oh, Akira um, is kind of like the be-all, end-all. You kind of got to start with Akira. Or Akira, if you're American. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think he mentioned that one. Um, oh, he did say Akira? I missed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember way back when I was a kid, I bought the Akira DVD because on the cover it said, like, it said something about, like, how it makes Blade Runner look tame or something like that. So ah! I was like, well, i got to check this out. <laughs> I can't remember what the quote was, but it referenced like Blade Runner. Um, so I was like, all right. And yeah, it's really good. But um, what else for general thoughts? Yeah, I just I didn't find the story all that interesting. Like I knew what they were going for. And I don't know, man, it just it didn't care. And even 
like, so I'll say this, like once in a while we hit on a movie that isn't exactly horror, but even when it's not exactly horror, if it's still interesting to me, it's still going to hold my focus and Mm -hmm. attention and I'll still, you know, attempt to judge it on its merits. But this one, to me, the main problem wasn't even that it wasn't horror. It just wasn't interesting. Like, I I picked up that it wasn't going to be horror pretty quick into it. But I was like, okay, well, I'm still going to give it a chance to see what it's all about. And I just found myself bored. Like, on the second watch, I was like, well, maybe I started it the first time too late at night. And maybe I missed something that threw me off on what they were trying to say. And But nope. Even by the third time, I was like, "No, uh, I didn't miss anything. It just there wasn't much there to miss." So yeah, this just isn't very good storytelling. I mean, even the fact that, that did you guys notice how much actual time went by in the movie? I don't, I don't mean the duration, but you know what I mean, like actual years that went by. That there's like a throwaway line towards the end of the movie that tells you how long um, this whole thing's been going on. Uh, she says over a thousand years. So this movie takes place over a thousand years. There's no fucking indication whatsoever that there's any different time periods here. Yes, Mike did mention one point where the guy, um, uh, a scholar character, shows up almost dressed in modern day clothing, um, you know, as opposed to uh, uh, Lucy Lawless's Zod character, who's basically butt naked the whole movie. And Jesus Christ, that first scene, too, she, it, there's a snowstorm going on, and she's butt naked. And I mean butt naked, people. Like, you know, bush all flowing out in the air and just butt-ass naked in the middle of a snowstorm. God bless her for being that tough, but goddamn, that had to suck. But well, yeah, I just, should mention that, like I said, mm-hmm. this is, again, animated, so it's not like, you know, it's literally Lucy Lawless out in the cold like that. It's the Oh, character. no, God. If it was Lucy yeah. Lawless butt naked, I would be down, but yeah. Uh, unfortunately, you know, for whatever the case, Zod is a warrior woman, so she's not exactly a, you know, Frank Frazetta style, you know, um, Amazonian type girl. She she is a big girl, but I, I wouldn't call her built so much as um, just a big warrior, you know, a big, thick girl. Um, but yeah, either way, like I said, just the duration of time in this movie, it, it just makes no sense. The story you know, yes, the story kind of revolves around the bloom, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But um, it, it almost felt like they were trying to go. Do we have to talk about it? Well, it's going to be it's going to be <laughs> brief, I assure you. Um, it almost feels like they were going with the bloom here. They were kind of going for like the Lochnar in heavy metal. For those of you who are familiar with heavy metal, heavy metal is a true anthology, but every every segment has to do with the Lochnar, this green glowing orb that comes from space and uh, basically is narrating the entire movie to this little girl, you know, in between the segments. So, um, so it, it kind of felt like that's what they were going for. Like they were going for kind of an anthology, but not really. Whereas heavy metal is a true anthology. This one, it, it's just kind of edited like one, but like I said, the, the transitions are so drastic. It's like, like I said, you're for, in one minute, you're watching this young couple get killed by a bunch of soldiers. And then in the very next scene, we've got like bird people flying around planning an attack on uh, the guy who stole the bloom. And it's like, holy shit, the transitions are just too drastic, too much. It's just like I like I said earlier, this isn't the hardest, most convoluted story to follow. 
But, you know, for something on Shudder, you know, that's 90 minutes, it really shouldn't be this hard to follow an animated feature. It really, really shouldn't be. And ultimately it is. Now, I'm not going to say there's not a market for this. I'm sure there's going to be, because obviously with all the reviews that I've read and listened to, giving this thing glowing reviews, obviously there's a lot of people that like it. And I would still say if you are a fan of, you know, adult animation, I would still say check it out. You might like it. Well, it's almost a guarantee you're going to like it more than any of us did. But, you know, it might be something that resonates with you. It might be something that speaks to you that, you know, you end up loving. So I wouldn't say avoid this like the plague, but I would I will say that, like, as I mentioned earlier, as a Ralph Bakshi fan, this movie is just an atrocity. And I, I will never set eyes on this movie again. Um, and I can't imagine I would ever recommend someone, you know, that it's essential viewing that, oh, yeah, you got to see this if you like adult animation. No, nah, fuck that. I'll, I'll, I'll go watch uh, Ninja Scroll again. Thank you very much. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> and honestly, man, this walkthrough, it ain't going to be much of a walkthrough, folks, because I barely this movie is so unmemorable. I remember very little of it. So it's really just going to be like little set pieces here and there. And, you know, there there is an ending that I do vaguely remember. So, I mean, we'll be able to discuss that. But, yeah, this will not be a true walkthrough in any way, shape, or form. Well, well honestly, it, it basically feels like if you take the first 15 minutes and just repeat that same stuff, like, through, mm-hmm. what, three, four different times in the movie, that's basically what it is. Like, there is one point in the movie where they kind of explain the origin of the bloom, and I thought yep. that... I thought that that segment was decent, but yeah. other than that, it's like this—it's basically repeating the same events like over and over. Yeah, there were definitely some cool sequences in there when our main bad guy, what's his name, Gaul Sir, when when Gaul Sir or Gale Sir, I forget how they pronounced it, but when he first steals the bloom from the warrior, that scene of him getting corrupted, I thought was great. It's like a just a nightmare fuel hallucination scene that absolutely worked for me. And then for the rest of the movie, he's just this evil, twisted, glowing eyed monster for, you know, he, he still has a humanoid shape, but obviously he kills indiscriminately, um, you know, takes over lands indiscriminately, blah, 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 blah. Basically, it corrupts him into like one of the most evil creatures on this planet, wherever the hell we are. But um, so there are segments in here worth watching. Like like Mike said, there's some cool animation throughout, but it's mostly going to be in like dream sequences and transitions and things like that. Like even the battle sequences, which I love battle sequences and fantasy animation. Even here, they were boring. They were just dull. Like, did you guys notice how slow the fights were? Like the hand to hand combat? Ah, it was just like like even even a 12 year old with a white belt could beat the shit out of the people in this movie they were just because of the rotoscope animation they have to slow everything down so this movie is literally the antithesis of anime whereas anime is fast paced bright and colorful um action packed this thing is like like I said, the story's convoluted, the pacing drags at points, and then even when it picks up, you don't know what the hell is going on, who the hell I'm supposed to be cheering for, like, blah, 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 blah. It's just too much. Um, they, they tried to do too much with this movie, and, you know, it, it suffers for it, unfortunately. 
Yeah, that, I, I, I don't have much else to add. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't even have much to add to begin with because I didn't even finish it. But, I mean, I... I well, like I, I said, you didn't miss a whole hell of a lot. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I mean, what you, I, I did catch on to what you were saying. I mean, that first battle in the swamp, I mean, oh, jeez. I was like, oh, God. I mean, they were literally swinging swords like they were made of platinum, like they were just heavy as fuck. It just—it was so hard to watch, and every time somebody would get bested in a fight, a hand-to-hand fight, I—it'd be like, no, dude, that was easily avoidable. What the hell's wrong with you? Yeah, these fights are just so slow. This is probably why the rotoscope uh, style doesn't really—you don't see it a lot today, because it's really hard to speed up that animation because you're filming real people and then animating over it. So, I mean, you could make it look ridiculous and actually speed the film up, but that—that that probably would be worse. So. Yeah, I don't know. This movie, like I said, it's just there. I have very little positive to say about it. Like I said, other than a few little set pieces here and there that are drawn really cool. That's about all the positive I'm going to have. Oh, and Richard E. Grant. Richard E. Grant was great. (laughs) I will give him that. He was a great narrator as the Guardian. I thought he did an awesome job. Like he was the only character I gave a shit about in this movie. And it was very obvious what his fate was going to be as soon as you see him at the beginning. You know, so it's like, even though you kind of know where his character is going, he still gives like one of the, you know, most organic uh, performances, voice performances in there. Like I said. Oh, and then there's still others, too. But we didn't bring up Joe uh, Mag- Maganello as Mongrel. Again, if you didn't know it was him, you would never be able to tell because he doesn't really have all that distinguishable a voice. Uh, and then the biggest waste of this whole movie, Larry Fessenden. Larry Fessenden plays the prophet of doom. He literally has two fucking lines in the whole movie. And one of them is just him repeating doom, doom. Why is Larry Fessenden in here? What did they pay him? Like a joint and two slices of pizza? I I just, I can't imagine why he would waste his time with this, but there it is. So yeah, like I said, bad casting, bad voice work, bad animation, bad everything. Let's just say bad everything all around. Um, and I've said that already, and I'll probably say it at least six or seven more times, because this movie frustrated the shit out of me. (laughs) And I guess at this point, if there's not much more to discuss that's spoiler-free, I guess we can move on to talking a little bit about spoilers, but like I said, we're going to be talking about the few that I might actually remember. Instead of a walkthrough, you can do a sprint through. Oh, this is, oh, this is absolutely, this is a race, my friends. This is a fucking hundred meter dash. All right, so here we go. Uh, we are introduced to Zod. She is a butt-naked warrior woman who um, has possession of this blue flower called the Bloom. This flower only grows in a certain part, uh, a certain mountain at the top of that mountain. And um, we basically get a cold open watching her uh, basically be captured by a rival um, group. I don't remember. This might have been um, the Patton Oswalt group with Lord Pyranton and and Mongrel as kind of his enforcer, basically capturing um, the princess and basically um, planning to execute her. But while they're doing this, a scholar um, shows up here. Um, he's I forget what group he's representing, but he is a scholar from this group of holy men. So basically they value books over, you know, brawn, I guess uh, you could put it that way. Uh, there's even a scene early in the film where one of the scholars is collecting books 
um, from people in the town because the, ta- the people in the town have no use for books. Most of them can't read. They look like peasants. I, th- I At first, I thought it was a book burning, but it wasn't actually a book burning. It was just people getting rid of their books and giving them to the scholar so that he can then take it to the library and file it there forever so that the book is never lost. Blah, 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 blah. Very Book of Eli, if you want to look at it that way. Um, at one point, uh, the warrior princess, uh, or Zod, let me just call her Zod. Uh, basically Zod is able to escape her captors, but during her escape, she's double crossed by the scholar and the scholar basically steals the bloom. She's basically wearing like, almost like what do they call those in Hawaii? A lei, almost like a big wide fat lei. And the whole thing is made up of. Uh, the blue uh, flowers, these beautiful blue flowers that they call the bloom. So after the scholar, and and this is is Gail Sir, um, this is the character Gail Sir, after he steals the bloom, he's instantly corrupted by it. He basically turns into just this evil, corrupt ruler who, you know, obviously rules with an iron fist. He's basically your general, you know, fantasy scumbag that we all hate, that we all want to see die. Um, and then we get like little set pieces here and there throughout the film um, where we, we basically see Gail Sir taking over more territories. Um, we And then it kind of goes farther into the future where we see Gail Sir has is even more corrupted. He even looks more animalistic, uh, less human than he did when he was first corrupted. Um, uh, let's see. What else do I remember? Uh, and then The Guardian. Um, basically... Uh, throughout this film, we see Zod at the mountaintop where the bloom grows and at uh, the area where there's just a little bit of bloom left, like this is the last of it in the world, there is a knight, a knight that's been tasked with protecting humanity from the bloom. This was a segment that I kind of liked where um, uh, the Guardian kind of shows or tells Zod the story of how people were getting corrupted and people were they wanted to use the bloom for good reasons, but it kept corrupting them. And, you know, they ended up becoming evil. So he wasn't necessarily protecting the bloom from humanity. He was protecting the uh, humanity from the bloom. He was basically keeping humans away from it uh, to protect them from it but as zod approaches he sees that she's wearing a a whole headdress of it so he knows that she's probably someone who knows how to properly use the bloom and like i said the bloom basically gives people magical powers like at one point uh she takes a piece of the bloom zod takes a piece of the bloom puts it in her mouth chews it up and then spits it out and it turns into like some uh, i forget exactly like it gave her like some kind of vision when she then took it out of her mouth and spread it on her uh, on some part of her. Like I said, folks, I'm having a lot of trouble remembering what the hell happens in this movie. Um, so, you know, we get multiple scenes of her performing rituals with the bloom. So, you know, we see that she obviously knows how to use it, knows the proper way and, and is not corrupted by it. She's obviously figured out a way to not be corrupted by it and stay a good person. So, like I said, uh, the movie kind of just progresses from there. We see more scenes of uh, Gail Zer uh, taking over different areas. Um, like I said, we see some flashback scenes. We see some throwaway exposition. And then out of nowhere, we basically see um, a group of 
like Hawk people, like if you guys remember the Hawk people from the Flash Gordon movie, picture them, but without those big golden wings. Uh, they basically have cloth wings in this one, um, almost like a flight suit, like one of those wing suits that we actually have now in real life. Um, but kind of just a almost like a Batman looking version of that. So it's almost like what Batman uses in the Nolan trilogy, if you will, if you remember that stuff. But um, yeah, basically, we see them attacking uh, Gale Sir's forces. And and they're dying. As the characters are dying, I just I'm I'm sitting there thinking I didn't spend enough time with these characters to give a rat's ass that they're dying. Like they're obviously good, and Gale Sir's um, forces are the evil ones. But it's like I find myself not giving a shit when they die because, like I said, I don't I couldn't even name any of these people. I couldn't give them one name. I think I think Faye Agora was the name of one of them. Uh, and, and that was about it. I only remember that because it was mildly memorable. Um, so basically, uh, we are able to see the uh, Hawk people basically are able to maybe not totally defeat Gale Sir, but they are able to slow him down. They actually crash their ship. They have like a spaceship. They crash it right into him very, um, well, once again, just like Flash Gordon, like at the end of Flash Gordon, when Flash flies his spaceship right into Ming the Merciless. Um, this one is kind of similar to that, except instead of getting impaled, uh, Gale Sir gets crushed. But, of course, um, he ends up coming back, like his body basically reforms itself. But at the same time, um, I forgot to mention that at this point, uh, Zod is dead. Zod actually does get killed in the uh, in the scene where she escapes, um, where, where her bloom is stolen by Gale Sir, she is actually double crossed and killed by Gale Sir. He actually stabs her multiple times and then takes her bloom. Um, but of course, she's still here telling the Guardian the story. So you know, you start to think that maybe this is the afterlife or blah blah blah. But no, uh, we get the answer at the end of the film. As the bloom is rebuilding Gail Sir's body, it's also bringing her back. I don't know if the bloom knows that she's like the good mistress of the bloom, if you will, and wants someone to be able to battle Gail Sir. But yeah, when he when the bloom brings back Gail Sir, basically reforms his body. It also brings back our warrior princess, and then she is able to defeat Gail Sir, um, basically with the last piece of bloom. Uh, she when she leaves the guardian uh the guardian dies um because his watch is over the bloom is gone um zod takes the last piece of bloom to then go and do battle with gail sir she uses that last piece of bloom to defeat him and that's pretty much the end of the movie so at this point all the bloom is gone humanity no longer has anything to fear from this flower um, obviously the guardian has passed away as there is no longer any bloom for him to watch. And that's it folks. I mean, there's more to it. I assure you. Um, but the movie, like I said, the story is so convoluted. It's so poorly edited, so poorly put together that literally two days later, I can't remember more than maybe 40% of the film. So, I mean, that should tell you exactly how we feel about it, even without us, you know, speaking our piss and vinegar that we have been. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, that's about all I can really say about this movie. Um, it wasn't fun. It wasn't enjoyable. Um, there's maybe a couple of scenes here and there that look really cool where the art style is kind of cool. Um, like I said, mostly like hallucin hallucination stuff and some of the flashback stuff, like I said, when uh, when the Guardian tells the story of the original people that found the bloom, that was pretty cool. But 
Otherwise, as Mike said earlier, this easily could have been a 20 or 30 minute anthology segment. There was no reason for this to be a 90 minute movie. And that's really too bad because unlike Don, I wasted the full hour and a half on this movie and obviously regret it greatly. So, yeah, uh, I really don't know what else to say at this point, Mike. I'm, it's, it's weird, I know, but I'm kind of at a loss for words at this point. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, I, I would say, despite all, you know the three of us not enjoying it, the movie probably has an audience out there. Obviously, because uh, it looks like there are good like user scores and reviews for it. It's just we're not the three for yeah. it. <laughs> like we're not. I mean, the it's sitting. Audience, I guess it's sitting at a six point three on IMDb with fourteen hundred reviews. So obviously. There is a market for this. There is an audience. And who knows? You might be a part of that audience. You know, I don't want to I don't want to say that you should avoid this movie and then find out years later that you actually loved it. And you you, you then get mad at me. No, I don't want that. If, if you're a fan of adult animation, fantasy adult animation specifically, I would say give it a shot. But within 10, 20 minutes of the film, you're going to know if you enjoy it and if you're going to want to finish it because Don and I both knew within a half hour. But like I said, I powered through it because I'm an idiot. <laughs> All right. Well, that might be the record for our shortest episode, but oh, thank um, God. <laughs> yeah. I'm but I'm <laughs> yeah, but before we get out of here, let's add a few minutes to the end of the show just to let everyone know where else they can hear us so venom do you have anything new since our last recording uh yeah actually um episode seven of no more room in hell presents creature comforts has been recorded it is in my hard drive as we speak i just got some finishing touches on editing it and it should be out by the weekend i would imagine at the latest saturday so maybe as you're listening to this um, Creature Comforts Episode 7 might be available. And if you're interested on um, that episode, we looked at 1980s Alligator. Probably one of the most fun episodes we've had. Um, uh, the episode with Bo when we did them on Episode 3 was great. But just th this movie is such a guilty pleasure and has been a favorite of mine for so long that it just made the episode a sheer joy to talk about the film. And we even talk a little bit about some of the special features on the new 4K Blu-ray release from Screen Factory. So if you're interested in Alligator, go ahead and check that out. Like I said, that should be available no later than a couple of days into April. Um, our main show, we have uh, episode 43 is the current uh, episode that is available. I believe we'll be recording episode 44, uh, not this coming weekend, but next weekend. And, uh, what, what were our picks for that one? Those are your picks, right, Mike? Yeah. Um, Those were good ones, too, if I remember. Yeah, I don't even remember the names of them. Uh, just, uh, I just uh, know that. Just Before Dawn. Just Before or, Dawn is right. one of them. And uh, Rituals, I think, was the Rituals, other one. yep, there it is. So, yeah, two pretty good movies. Go, Mike. Some yeah, I like, I like how I, I didn't remember them, and then instantly I'm like, oh, yeah, I do yeah. remember Making yourself a liar, real nice. Yeah, for any, for anyone listening that's not familiar with those movies, uh, they're basically like movies that came out in the wake of Deliverance. There's a ton of post-Deliverance, like group of guys go out to the wilderness in some form or fashion and run into some type of trouble. So that's along the lines of what those two movies are mm -hmm. about. So if those interest you, um, yep, check out the episode. 
and watch the movies. Yep, those will be on episode 44, which, like I said, won't record until probably midway through April, so look out for that. And that's it from me, Mike. It's it's uh, kind of slim pickings. I still have a couple of guest spots coming up. I do have uh, Cuts of the Chase this weekend, where we're going to be looking at the Christopher Nolan Batman trilogy. Um, that should be fun. It's the first time I get to talk about these movies, which I am a fan of, so uh, tune into that if you're interested. And then um, next week, I'm also recording an episode of The Dark Parade with Bo Ranzell. We're going to be looking at um, Hell Knight with Linda Blair, one of one of my favorite guilty pleasures of the 80s. <laughs> and that's it for me. All right, I'll throw it on over to Don. All right. Um, as mentioned, episode eight of Creature Comforts, or episode seven, my bad. Yeah, mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah, episode seven of Creature Comforts. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, uh, latest episode of Horror Countdown. I finished off my Women in Horror Month series uh, talking with um, an author, uh, Jennifer Ann Gordon. We looked at our favorite female teenage characters. So, uh <laughs> You know, the character had to be teenaged in the film in order for it to uh, be considered. That was kind of uh, the guidelines. Mm-hmm. So uh, we kind of looked at a lot of uh, fun stuff there. And I uh, should have my guest spot on uh, The House That Screams recorded either this weekend. Uh, it should be sometime this weekend if uh, my schedule is lined up. Um, we will be looking at Suspiria. Um, the original version, not the new uh, one, but um, should be a lot of fun. And uh, I ended up and I did a favor for a uh, friend of mine. This was kind of a last second and just an impromptu kind of a thing. Um, I went on a friend's uh, YouTube channel called uh, My First Horror Video, uh, My First Horror Movie, sorry, um, for uh, Sledgehammer Horror. And uh, talked about my experience watching uh, the first horror movie I ever saw, or... Um, I, I kind of went with a different one because mine was uh, Texas Chainsaw, so um, I kind of picked a, a separate one, and I went with um, Bride of Chucky. Ah. So um, I always credit that one as the film that got me interested in wanting to check out horror, so that was kind of why I picked it. Um, Texas Chainsaw was uh, the first one I watched when I said I want to specifically check out a horror movie and see what they're like, but he'd already done that a couple of times, so okay, I... I I switched it up and I did Bride of Chucky because that was the one that I was like, all right, there's something here. I want to check it out and, you know, get deeper into the genre. So that's kind of always been the one that I credit as making me a genre fan. So kind of why I picked it for uh, that episode. Um, It should be on his YouTube channel. Uh, I think I have it on my profile, but um, I'll, I'll I'll share it a couple of times over the weekend in case you can't find it. So, um, yeah, I think that's everything on my end. Uh, not remembering anything else, so I think that's it. It's actually a great concept for a show, uh, either a YouTube show or a podcast. Just talking, having people come on and talk about their first horror movie. I I like that a lot. That's cool. Yeah, um, he's done. I think I'm like episode two sixty or two seventy or some something nice. like that. Wow. So yeah, um, yeah, he's talked with a lot of uh, fans, a lot of actors, a lot of actresses, um, people in the community. Um, he was supposed to have recorded uh, with somebody else, but then um, last minute they ended up canceling for um, uh, some red carpet premiere. Uh, they didn't know if they were going to make it or not, and then they mm-hmm. got the go ahead. So um, he got he was like without a guest for a recording, and it was like, 
you know, hey, you know, if you want to be involved, I'd love to, you know, have you because I don't think we've ever talked about it. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I don't think we have. Um, if you have time, you know, we can do this. And so we ended up in the recording. So it's kind of like one of those where I didn't know it was. Mm-hmm. I, you didn't even ask me, so it's kind of why I never really said anything. But uh, yeah, it was kind of impromptu and at the last minute, but uh, it should be out now. Like I said, it's on uh, the Sledgehammer Horror YouTube channel. Um, if not, it's going to be on my profile uh, a couple of times over the weekend. So go ahead and uh, check that out. Uh, like I said, um, I, I can't remember anything else, so I think that's it. I'm subscribing right now. <laughs> that sounds. I love that concept. I really want to see a few of those. <laughs> all right yeah and as far as i go i pretty much don't have anything going on besides our regular shows so yeah uh ben i'm already mentioned no more room in hell probably a couple weeks maybe two three weeks uh just depending on the calendar i haven't looked exactly how many weeks away but yeah middle of april like he said and then as far as we go uh i think are we here on fresh cuts i mean uh, the only thing that's opening up is that witch movie, but it's only going to be, well, at least here it's only in the art house. So I don't know. We might do that, but if not, we'll find something on VOD because the, this one will be a little harder for people to see in theaters. I'm sure. Dude. Uh, but yeah, there's plenty out there to pick. So we'll, we'll figure something out. Oh yeah. All right. That said, thank you everyone for listening. Oh, we will be back next week with another episode of Fresh Cuts. But until then, we will say bye to the listeners. Later. Take care, folks. Hail Satan. And if you see blue flowers at the top of a mountain, run like fucking hell because it's going to be terrible and boring. (laughs) Peace.